This is our eighth session on Ephesians 3, 7 to 13, and we're moving to verse 12. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. So there's Paul's calling. And here are his two purposes, to preach as gospel to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And, second purpose, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery, hidden for ages in God who created all things. And then the ultimate purpose of those two purposes of Paul's calling. So that through the church the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities, the demonic powers in the heavenly places. And those rulers and authorities don't even get the opportunity to feel or believe like they have at least messed up the purpose of God for a little while in redemptive history. No, they don't. Why? Because this, this purpose of God through the church, to show wisdom of God to the demons, this was according to an eternal purpose. He didn't decide, oh, they messed it up. They messed it up in the Garden of Eden. Satan wrecked my whole plan. I don't know what to do. I'll start over. I'll get a new plan. That's not what happened. This is an eternal purpose. God knew that there were going to be rulers and authorities. He knew that there would be sin. He knew that there would be rebellion. And it's all in the plan to demonstrate the wisdom of God through the church to these demonic powers. Now, we come to verse 12. What does it add to verse 11? This was according to the eternal purpose that he worked in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So this using the church to vindicate the wisdom of God before demons was brought about, was worked, was realized in Jesus Christ, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in our Lord Jesus. How are we to understand the relationship of verse 12 to the purpose to use the church to vindicate the wisdom of God before the authorities? Father, come, show us this amazing privilege that in Christ Jesus, through faith, we have, in general, and in specific access to you as Father and before the demons of the universe. Oh God, show us this, cause us to feel it deeply, cause us to live in this boldness, this access, this confidence, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In whom, that is, when he worked this out in Christ Jesus, through his blood, his flesh, his cross, his resurrection, 
his calling of Jew and Gentile into one people of God, this church, to show the authorities and the rulers that they are idiots and that God is all wise and that their spurning the wisdom of God in rebellion has been suicidal. What does this add to that? He chooses to say one thing. He could have said a hundred things about what has happened as part of what the church experiences through the work of Jesus Christ. And here's what he says. In Christ, we, the church, we have boldness, that's number one, and access, that's number two, with confidence. So that confidence applies to that access, that confidence applies to that boldness, and it's all through faith. So notice first, in whom at the front end, through faith in him at the back end. Let's make sure we get the relationship. So this is an objective statement. In union with Jesus Christ, this is true. The church has boldness. It has access to God. It, it has tremendous confidence. That's objectively the reality in union with Christ. When you get to the end, he answers the question subjectively, how do we enjoy union with Christ? If this is an objective fact, which it is for God's elect, God's predestined people, God's children, how do we subjectively walk in it and experience it? His answer is through faith in Him. Whenever you think union with Christ, think through faith in Him. So our faith is the psychological, subjective, heart, soul, mind experience of this objective union with Christ in which we have boldness and access. Notice, it doesn't say boldness of access. That would be true. It would be true because we see it over here in Hebrews 4, right? Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with boldness draw near. That's access, right? Boldness draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help. So it would not be wrong to say in whom we have boldness of access. But he didn't. He said we have boldness and access, probably expecting us to make the boldness of access the main focus, but leaving it open to say, no, no, there's a general boldness in the Christian life because of this amazing work that God has worked in Jesus Christ for us to give us access to God. So a general boldness, not cockiness, not strident, not swagger. This is broken-hearted boldness. This is boldness that lives by grace, lives by faith, a childlike boldness, if you can imagine such a thing. The righteous are as bold as a lion, Proverbs says. And access. And what access does he have in mind? We know that from the preceding paragraph where he says, he reconciled us both. He reconciled us both to God. That's a solution of the fundamental problem, right? What was that fundamental problem? 
Chapter 2. We all once lived among the sons of disobedience, all of us, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. This is God's wrath. This is what makes everything so wise and so beautiful and so stunning and so mouth-shutting to the rulers and authorities. These, these people that they thought they had conquered, that they had us on their side. We were children of wrath. We were bound for hell, just like the rulers and authorities and all the rest of mankind. That's what we were until he reconciled us both to God in one body. So, so all the nations in Christ reconciled to God and to each other through the cross. The cross, the death of Christ did this by killing the hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who are far off, no access. Peace to you who are near, no access. For through him, we both now, now, because of this reconciliation, have access. There's the word of 3.12. We have boldness and access. And now we see how. We have been reconciled to God and to each other, and we have access in one spirit to the Father. Not wrath, but Father. Can you imagine the demons watching this happen? Watching it happen right under their noses, right through their fingers. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Indeed, you're not. But you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God as father. There's one father in this house, and we are children of that father. And that is the wonder. That's the wonder here. In whom we have boldness. Boldness. We have access to the Father, and if it could even get better, our boldness has a confidence in it. (laughs) Our access has a confidence in it. Oh, if you don't have confidence of access to the Father, live in this text until you do. Plead with God that he would open your eyes to this text until you do. Boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. That is what he chose to specify as worked in Christ Jesus as part of the purpose, which was what gave rise to the wisdom that made the church this bold, access, confident church the vindication of the wisdom of God before the rulers and authorities.